Okay, we'd like to welcome you back to our fourth and final part of our current event and weekly Bible study for January 3rd, 2010. And we're going to continue off. I'm, I'm looking at more um, occultic sources of information regarding the Tetragrammaton because I think we need to give the occultists their day in court and let them, let them say what it represents to their religion, to the, the occultic religion, and also to the Kabbalists. Because they'll tell you, they'll tell you flat out what it represents to them. I'm looking at a book by Donald Tyson. This is the, the cover of the book. And it's entitled The Tetragrammaton, The Secret to Evoking Angelic Powers and the Key to the Apocalypse. <laughs> the Key to the Apocalypse, okay. Uh, this, is, um, this is from the Tetragrammaton uh, Llewellyn's High Magic Series by Donald Tyson. This is an excerpt from an occult website. This next thing is an excerpt. And it says, In Western magic, the Tetragrammaton is the holiest name of God. It is comprised of the four letters I-H-V-H and is the occult key that unlocks the meaning behind astrological symbolism, the tarot, or tarot cards, the mysteries of the Old Testament. <laughs> I love how they like to put that in there too. And the book of Revelation and the Kabbalah, and the Enochian magic of John Dee. And modern ritual magic. I mean, it's like, you know, this is the key. This is really super important to high-level witches and warlocks. Extensive information about this, about the Tetragrammaton can be found in Donald Tyson's book, Tetragrammaton, which I just went over. Tyson discusses at great length the connections between the Tetragrammaton and pretty much every other occult system one could ever think of. Now is it starting, hopefully if it hasn't already, is it starting to dawn on you how important this subject is? Because this is such a part of the Hebrew Roots movement. You talk about a little leaven leavening the whole lump. I mean, this is like, and then they go through the whole thing about what each letter of the Tetragrammaton represents in, in, in witchcraft. Like, uh, the um, letter I, who in their version it's I-H-V-H. Um, the element it represents is fire. The direction it represents is east. The tarot card suit it represents is wands, as in magic wands. The astrological card quality is called cardinal, and it's so on and so on. You can see this. I've got the whole thing. Now, I have this. This is uh, the man, Stephen. He puts all my YouTube videos up. Uh, God bless him. Man, you talk about somebody's done a ton of work and ask for nothing in return. Stephen Wright, pray for him. God bless him. And man, what a testimony he's got. Woo! I need to read his testimony someday, but it's so vast. I told him, I said, you need to like, get it down to maybe a manageable... I, I don't even know how to present it all. It's over my head, the stuff he came out of. Way over my head. Unbelievable. But anyway, he emailed me and he said, uh, he said, now they're selling... Tetragrammaton, YHVH tuning forks. So just so you know, we've got the tuning fork, you know, they've got tuning forks, these Tetragrammaton tuning forks available. And then he says, which I know you will be anxious to get. <laughs> he says, so now you can just throw your Bible out the window and resonate to your Illuminati Kabbalistic tuning fork. <laughs> so, anyway, he goes on to say, uh, according to this website, 
Uh, it says the purely transcendental formlessness of the Tetragrammaton, or YHVH, is the ayin, which means nothingness. Remember it was the name of no god some of them referred to? Then he goes on to say, now that's crazy because Aleister Crowley called Satan the A-Y-I-N, the I. Also, the tarot card for the devil is called the A-Y-I-N, the I. Um, also, you will get to see this proof that the eye of light worshipped in Freemasonry is the I-Y-I-N, which is the spiritual eye. And again, relating back what he had said before is, Transcend, uh, um, this website regarding the Kabbalah and the Tetragrammaton said that this Tetragrammaton is this I-Y-I-N. Uh, it's also that. And he's giving me alternate definitions of what that means. So also get this. I or A-Y-I-N actually means the I of good and evil. And he gives me all the links here. And I'll provide these up on the internet. And then he goes on to say, and is the Hebrew word for the serpent, and is the Hebrew word for when the serpent said, your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods. Here the word for eye is A-Y-I-N, which can mean a singular figurative eye rather than eye, so it could be the third eye. You know, you could probably go on such gigantic rabbit trails with this, again, I could probably do a 20-part teaching on this if I went down every rabbit trail. If A-Y-I-N is the third eye, this explains why it is in the kundalini serpent force that slithers up the spine or the tree of knowledge to the A-Y-I-N or the third eye. He may brings up some good points here. I know you'll be impatient to order your tetragrammaton tuning fork, so I will let you go for now. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, I, I ordered a gross of them. I admit it. I, I admit it. It cost me a lot of money, but I, I had to break down and do it. Just kidding. Anyway, now I'm looking actually at... The advertisement for the Kabbalah, it's called the Kabbalah YHVH, or Tetragrammaton Tuning Fork. It does come with a velvet pouch included, I just want to let you know. And also, uh, it, it's only $41, too. I mean, it's reasonably priced. So if you get a gross, which is $144, or even a baker's dozen, which is $13, you know, you can kind of pass them out to family and friends and things of this nature. Just kidding. Also, if you order in the next 33 seconds, get it 33, pre-Masonic, uh, 33rd degree Mason. If you order in the next 33 seconds, you get a free Jabalon Freemason foam finger, a garden weasel, and a Chia Pet Spice Garden. I wanted to throw that in to spice up the offer. Sorry about that. <laughs> So I, I, I couldn't help but, but throwing some jokes in on this one. <laughs> but anyway, the free Jabalon, free Masonic foam finger. I mean, that's a temptation in and of itself. So anyway, we are pleased to now offer the complete line of Kabbalah tuning forks. I'm reading this right off the site. You will find these forks only here at www.luminati.com. Not Illuminati, but Luminati.com. Why? Because they're, they're, they're like, they're following Lucifer's path. Lucifer, light bringer, light bearer, they're believing they're shedding light on darkness and what it actually is they're doing the exact opposite. Uh, let's see here. The following information is original research done by Anne Christine Tooley. And she says the Kabbalah, or the Tetragrammaton, the, the Kabbalah's Tetragrammaton, uh, is a fork tuned to the frequency 
of the ineffable, unspeakable, unpronounceable, and most important name of just G and with a space. They won't even put the G-D. This is how important it is to the occultists that they don't state the full name. As it is to the Hebrew Roots Movement people. So, I'm trying to show you, they're on the same page. Do you understand if you're in the Hebrew Roots Movement? You're on the same page at, at many levels as these high-level occultists. Shouldn't that cause be cause for concern for you? Then she goes on to say, When it is spoken in substitution, it is the name Jehovah. Uh, which I believe is a lie at this point, is the name Jehovah pronounced Yehovah, or Adonai. It is also called the Holy Tetragrammaton, meaning the four-letter word. The letters represent the eternal and unknowable, unknowable nature of G, and then just a space behind it. From the Tetragrammaton flow the ten aspects of God. The Sephiroth, which make up the Tree of Life. Now this is the Kabbalistic Tree of Life. The counterfeit, you know. Anyway, the numerical value of the Tetragrammaton is 26, or YHVH is 26. This is a very spiritual number, and is often seen in sacred geometry. Now, you see a lot of these people now, New Agers, Lynn Horowitz, people, they refer to sacred geometry. Oh, good. Yeah. Whenever you see that, understand you're dealing with the occult, and pretty much high-level occult. This whole thing, what they get into all the numerics and this and that. Um, I'm not saying there's no validity behind biblically studying gematria, okay? But I, I would caution you at the same time. You wanna, you wanna be real cautious with that subject. Half of 52, uh, which is 26, um, is the number of solar weeks in a year. Is 26, making 26 the center of the year. Uh, and, and remember that. Number 26 is the numerical value of the Tetragrammaton, according to them. So, um, half of 52 is 26, making 26 the center of the year, embracing both the sun and the moon energies. Thus, the Tetragrammaton is the source of all light and darkness, good and evil. Just like Baphomet sits on his throne, he's both male and female, he's got a goat's head, he represents these, all these energies intertwined. It's an absolute blasphemous abomination. How could something represent both good and evil? It's just like the yin and the yang, the light and the dark. God is light. Okay, He's not good and evil. But see, in their religious system, they believe that. The quarter points of the year are in increments of 13 each quarter being either an equinox or a solstice. Thirteen is the double star of David. Ah, the hexagram, which we've also done numerous studies on, which is also intricately intertwined within the Hebrew Roots Movement stuff. And I've got the whole PDF and the hexagram teaching on Sermon Audio. You can go key it in on the search box on my homepage, sermonaudio.com forward slash Johnson, and you can... You know, nobody's ever refuted that information, not to say it's my even research. It's just there. Uh, it, it's, it's absolutely overwhelming. So, 13 is the double star of David, plus the integration point at the center. 13, also, the hexagram seems to be the chief religious symbol that Maitreya will usher in. He's got his own symbol, okay, that you can find. And the hexagram is the 
of all these symbols that are represented in that hexagram, the hexagram is the primary symbol that he uses. If it was so holy, why is Maitreya pushing it so hard? Well, think about it. Hex, meaning curse. Six-pointed star. Six. That's not a good number. Okay, anyway, I, I get into that in the teaching the hexagram I do. Then, 13 is also the number of the lunar months in a year, with 12 moons plus a blue moon. Now, we just had a blue moon the other night. Uh, blue moon is the second moon in the sign, in the sign of a previous moon. Uh, so, we just had that the other night, and I know that had a big occult significance. The Hebrew word for love is Ahava, which also has a gematria value, meaning a numerical value of 13. The Hebrew word for one is Ekad, which also has the gematria value of 13. Thus, love and one are equal and add up to 26, which is the number for the Tetragrammaton. And so on and so on. This is the garbage you, you get with this stuff. So, thus, God is love and God is one. Together, the Tetragrammaton becomes Adam Kadmon, which is the human-shaped reflection of God, or God's garment of light, or God's image in light. This is what this occult sites teach you. Now, here's another thing. You ever hear this guy? He's called... Um, oh, boy. He's called... Um, Prophet Yahweh, now remember, Yahweh is the term that they'll use many times for, and that doesn't even occur anywhere in the Bible. They just made this kind of thing up. They derived it from the Tetragrammaton. Well, this is Prophet Yahweh, and this is a media alert. Superhuman black men from other planets will appear in spaceships over Las Vegas, Nevada. I've had people email me about this guy, okay? And I'm just throwing this in there because this is the very title he takes on, Prophet Yahweh. Okay, now there, there's a, a bigger devil walking the planet, I, you know, not too much more that are higher than this guy. But here's what, he, he had a press release, and this was some t September 5th, 2008. According to Prophet Yahweh, superhuman black men from other planets here on spaceships to prove that we are not alone in the universe. They will do this by appearing on the Prophet's prayer signal in one of their spaceships over Las Vegas, Nevada. The spaceship will hover in the sky for three days, and all Las Vegans will be able to see it day and night before it goes black into space. Now, that was a lie from the pit of hell. I waited to see this, and he justified it. He justified it some way, saying the spaceship really was there. Oh, yeah, right. If it would have been there, you, you know that even if the media would have suppressed it, it would have got out on the Internet. He's a false prophet. He should call himself false prophet, Yahweh. That's what he is. He's a lying devil taking people to hell. That's all he is. But I just found it, I found it interesting that um, he, uh, he takes on this prophet Yahweh. And uh, he says, prophet Yahweh says, The holy Yahweh has determined that the time has ended for black Israelites. Now this is another big movement that I kind of alluded to further. They, there's a whole sect of black people. This isn't being prejudiced, but they believe that they are, the, they are now the reformed 12 tribes of Israel. I've even seen maps saying, okay, this tribe's from this place and this tribe's from this place. And this man, I guess he thinks he's going to lead them. Uh, he says that these black Israelites need uh, the time of, has ended for the black Israelites to be in the lands of their enslavement. Because of this, he has commissioned his angels to return them back to their rightful land, the land of Israel. <laughs> so he believes it. I love it. 
Oh, then he says, at this time, Yahweh's angels will send them back up as rulers of the world from whence they fell into slavery. <laughs> Prophet says that he has been instructed to build temples to Yahweh with landing spots next to them. The main two will be in the wilderness in Brazil and the desert in America. Yahweh's angels will land at those temples on a regular basis. Sometimes, sometime after they land, they will become, come out of their spaceships, go to a podium, and address the world's media and government officials gathered there. Now, I'm not saying that a certain aspect of, of the strong delusion and the coming grand delusion of all humanity, which I do believe the UFOs will, will play a big part in, in conjunction with Maitreya and the Ascended Masters appearing. Okay, maybe it won't go down that way, but it seems like the most obvious conclusion, considering that Hollywood has been brainwashing us toward these ends for a long time ago, and I've done tons of teachings on Maitreya that you can key in on the search box on Sermon Audio, my homepage. Yeah. Listen to them. See what you think. There's got to be something to it. But then he goes, at that time, they will make known their plans for the permanent colonization of planet Earth. When they get out of their spaceships, the world will see they are superhuman black men from another planet. <laughs> so anyway, then he goes on. He says, at some point after the public landing, Yahweh's angels will bring the holy prophets Enoch and Elijah to prophet Yahweh's temple. The job of these two prophets will be to unify black Israelites worldwide, establish their government, and cause all nations to return back to Israel. They will meet their Messiah at his return when he arrives, traveling with two 20,000 intergalactic battleships. <laughs> I love it. According to the prophet, there is no possible way the public descent and the hovering of a spaceship over Las Vegas for three days will not happen on my prayer signal. So this man is so full of, of demons and devils and pride that he literally evidently can snap his fingers on his prayer signal and have all these UFOs at his command. Whoa. You talk about pride going before a fall and a haughty spirit before destruction. Man, I tell you what. We got all kind of crazy people out there like this. Here, let's go further. Another occultic site says one key of the minor arcana uh, and the whole tarot card... Uh, <clears throat> okay, the minor arcana and the whole tarot cards when viewed from one aspect... Uh, the one key to the minor arcana is the Tetragrammaton. The four-lettered name, they refer to as IHVH. The Bible ascribes peculiar power to this name. No, it doesn't. I don't believe the Bible does. Okay? Because, again, I just told you Elohim is translated as God over 2,300 times. It's not, from what I can see, it's not translated from this. Okay? Let's go further. The Bible ascribes peculiar power to this name. Um, oh, okay, and I, I review Exodus 3.15, 1 Kings 10.1, Psalms 9.10, and Proverbs 18.10. Well, I did review them. I went to those verses, okay? And nowhere in these or any other Old Testament verses can we derive the Tetragrammaton, or YHVH, from um, Jehovah pronounced in the Hebrew and translated as Yehovah. It's translated as Lord uh, 6,510 times in the Old Testament. And um, God as four times. So where God is translated here, um, 
it's uh, let's see here. It's translated as Jehovah four times, Lord six thousand five hundred ten times, and God is four times. Jehovah is defined as the proper name of the one true God, uh, and then also Elohim is translated two thousand three hundred and forty. So the alternate translations we have for God in the Old Testament are Elohim, which is translated as God, two thousand three hundred forty six times, and also, so if, if we read uh, Exodus 3.15, And God's moreover said unto Moses, Thou shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Okay, this is one of the verses they say to look up from this occult site. Okay, nowhere in these verses they quote, or any other place in the, in the Old Testament, can we derive this tetragrammaton, or YHVH, from the word they use as God. Okay. Um, who they pronounce from the Hebrew derivative Yehovah, or where we get the word Jehovah, okay? And it's translated as Lord 6,510 times. It's translated as God four times and Jehovah's four times. So, again, Jehovah's defined as the proper name of the one true God. Now, from another occult site that makes custom occult jewelry, we read, this is markdefrades.com, the tetragrammaton is what the Kabbalists use instead of God's name. This is right off this guy's website, selling occult jewelry. I'm showing Nonetta one of the lovely pendants he makes. It's a pentagram with the name tetragrammaton in the outer levels. Now, sometimes you'll see the, the, tetra, the uh, pentagram with there's four or five Hebrew symbols. If you add those four or five symbols up, what it spells out is Leviathan. That's what it normally spells out, Leviathan. Like the Bible talks about Leviathan, okay, like the great serpent thing. Okay, well anyway, they've got their lovely occult pendants here that you can purchase for a premium. And uh, the Tetragrammaton is what the Kabbalists use instead of God's name, which is sacred and secret. It means the four-lettered name of God which is yod he va he or whatever. Yod stands for the male God figure. he va he stands for the female God figure. Here we see the same thing again. Thus, it is an androgynous force set around a pentagram that is the most powerful sign in Western occult magical tradition. There's another confirmation. Here's another one. Tetragrammaton with solid stones. This is another piece of jewelry they're selling at this website. Here, the Tetragrammaton contains a large central moonstone and five elemental stones at the points of the pentagrams. This symbol is generally considered to be the most powerful in ceremonial magic, containing the protective qualities of the pentagram. Wow. And they're associating this Tetragrammaton and the symbol surrounding it as the most powerful in ceremonial magic. Huh. Two circles signifying the microcosm and macrocosm and the name of the creative force, the Tetragrammaton. So, that's what it looks like. Anyway, these pictures, these images will be up on the PDF file. And then they show another picture of, uh, I show another picture of another Tetragrammaton uh, pentagram pendant. Now, from another occult website um, devoted to promoting the Tetragrammaton, which is the YHWH. This is from Jin Aquarian. What a name. 
Jin Aquarian. This is www. Uh, the whole whyhhouse.com. And then it goes on to say, Stardove readers, when you get the time, if you should run across a copy of the great Masonic book, out of print, but available at many used bookstores and on the internet, called Morals and Dogma, written in 1865 by Albert Pike, 33rd degree Grand Mason of the Southern Jurisdiction of Masons, you... Masons, you will read on page 697 in the 28th degree of the night of the sun, Prince Adept, quote, the true word of the Mason is to be found in the concealed and profound meaning of the ineffable name of deity, communicated by God to Moses, and which meaning was long lost by the very precautions taken to conceal it. Remember how they say it's been lost, you can't utter it, you can't name it. Okay. Now remember, this is from Albert Pike. This is the guy that was started the Ku Klux Klan, wrote Morals and Dogma, uh, high, most one of the most high level occultists of the last uh, of the 1800s. Really was responsible for the modern day revival of the Freemasons. Was a Confederate war general. Uh, just evil, evil, evil. Okay, this guy, Satanist essentially, Luciferian. Um, he's the one that says in his quote in Morals and Dogma that we worship Lucifer. He says it to the 30th, the 31st, the 32nd, and the 33rd degree. I've said the quote before, okay? But he says, we worship Lucifer. We tell the crowd we worship God. But then he says to go on to these higher adepts that, so the truth be known to you, we worship Lucifer. And um, they denigrate Jesus every time they can. Um... And then he goes on to say, this is our pike, in that meaning it is included all truth that can be known by us in regard to the nature of God. Now he's in regard, he's in reference to the Tetragrammaton. In communications to Moses, the name yod heh is given to Moses as the name of God, which is the Tetragrammaton, um, which is translated Y-H-V-H. He goes on to say, this is Albert Pike, he says, Y-H-V-H He's saying this is what was said to Moses. YHVH says to him, I am that I am. So, that's a quote from Albert Pike. Then he goes on to say, or this website goes on to say, That's right. Yehuah, whatever that means, is the word of the Freemason. Because Yehuah, or this tetragrammaton, is the only God, who said, I have created you in my image, in my likeness, male and female. And the Masonic builders of the Temple of Solomon had this ancient mission to see to it that even if Israel failed to bring forth a nation with an eternal, internal environment which would support uh, YHVH, the Tetragrammaton's purpose, to create humans in the same image and likeness, the secret society of the Masons wouldn't. So in other words, if, even if the nation of Israel failed to bring forth a nation with an internal environment which would support the Tetragrammaton's purpose to create humans in the same image and likeness, the secret society of the Freemasons wouldn't. They wouldn't fail the mission. And this is one of the reasons I believe people uh, in the United Nations and Benjamin Krem and Matre and so many people so heavily emphasize the, the ultimate work of the Freemasons which is nothing more than repackaged Babylonian mystery religion. It's going to be the coming essence of the coming one world religion, where pretty much all religions will be on the same footing. So, the Masons kept moving west, 
with a divine name of knowledge in an attempt to establish a nation with a government of people and by the people, for the people and by the people. I, I'm assuming he means America. Now, if you look at um, David Bay's really awesome DVDs he's done on the secret beginnings of America and uh, Riddles in Stone, he's got a new one he just came out with, it gets all into this, how Francis Bacon had... Uh, wanted long for this new Atlantis and that America was supposed to be this. So this very much plays into America as well. And then he goes on to end this by saying, I teach this in my weekly Kabbalah class as my mission to enlighten. Right. It's his mission to blind. So if we go further, and we're just about done here. So... Um, uh, this is another article from the Hebrew Roots Movement and Sacred Name Movement. Uh, they go on to say, I would really like to thank the lady who wrote up her first-hand experience with the Hebrew Roots Movement and the Sacred Name Movement here so we could benefit. Uh, this is... Okay, this is a testimony here that I'm going to be reading. Yeah, this is a testimony. I believe uh, that I received recently... Uh, she goes on to say, I want to share with you why I feel the Hebrew Roots Movement and the Sacred Name Movement is just as dangerous as the Latter Rain Doctrine coming out of both. I feel confident in saying so. I've also done teachings on the Latter Rain Movement as well. Um, she says, I grew up in the Assembly of God Church, one that did not teach the Latter Rain Dominion Poison. Dominionism meaning that they think we're going to get so good and holy on this planet that Jesus Christ is going to have no choice but to come back and just set up his throne because we're also holy and we're doing such a great job. That's what dominionism actually teaches. I've done several teachings on dominionism. You can key in on the search box on my homepage. Then she goes on to say, After my husband and I were married, he grew up Baptist, we began searching for something deeper. I think that is how you get sucked into the latter rain movement. You feel like there just has to be something more. Sadly, the word of God is not enough. We began attending a non-denominational church. Oh, this is the way you feel, that the word of God is not enough by other promptings, typically from other people. Okay. So anyway, she says, We began attending a non-denominational church, which would, in turn, which would turn out to be one of the many disastrous church experiences we have had. The church was heavy dominionist, and they were really into shepherding things, so that they knew everything about everyone, and would use it as a form of control. Do you know how many times I've encountered this, even lately? These, what is, isn't this the same thing the Catholic churches do? They, they kind of read your mail, they know everything about you in the confessional booth, and they can literally hold it over your head if they had to. Well, it's the same thing, and what they do is they use it as a form of control and met, and uh, a method of browbeating. There's no Bible verse that says that we, we need to go to some priest and confess our sins to them, we go to the Lord Jesus Christ to confess our sins and ask for forgiveness. The Bible says if we confess our sins, He, meaning Jesus, is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 1 John, I believe, chapter 1. But the Bible, the only thing the Bible says is to confess your faults one to another as a form of humility. But it doesn't say get in every gory sin you've ever committed. It's not biblical. It's one thing to confess your faults. It's another thing to confess your sins. 
Okay, so anyway, let's go forward. These, uh, they knew everything about us and would use it as a form of control, these dominionists. This was our first experience with the prophetic movement, and we were drawn in by it. See, this prophetic movement in the dominionist, in the latter reign, in the charismatic, and the Hebrew roots, oh, it flows. You can flow all together. We've got prophets, and we've got this, and we've got this movement of the Spirit, and all this false, bad doctrine. It's, it's terrible. And then it, she says, after leaving there, because of control issues, we did not notice the theology was twisted because we were deceived. We continued on in prophetic circles, including attending Bill Heyman's church, which we were able to travel there and reading everything we could from all the big NARs. I'm not sure what that means, but, well, after about ten years of this running after New Revelation, we had huge box... We had huge boxes of tapes with personal prophecies. Personal prophecies. Oh, I can't tell you how many times I got these. Oh, Brother Johnson, I got a word from the Lord from you. This and that and this and that. You need to do this. You need to turn right on Elk Street and then take a left on, you know, this street and you'll do this. And I'd act on these things and it didn't come to pass. They, they, well, what does that say? Well, they were not hearing from God. Because if they were hearing from God, at minimum it would come to pass. And also, if they're hearing from God, it would edify the Word of God. It would confirm it. So, I know what they're talking about, these personal prophecies. Then it says, we became really disillusioned with the hypocrisy, the lawlessness, the cheap grace attitudes. We decided to lead the apostolic prophetic church that we were attending. This did not sit well with the, quote, apostle. Ah, the apostle. Yeah, a lot of people call themselves apostle. Oh, really? Are you going around healing everybody like the apostles did? Are you, are you out there performing miracles and things of this nature? Are you working in all the avenues that the apostles were in the, that Jesus Christ commissioned? Hmm. Wow, I mean, that's interesting. I, I, I'm sorry, but whenever I see somebody calling themselves an apostle, you know, I, I, generally that's a red flag. Anyway, in these types of churches, you do not leave unless you are sent out by the apostle, which never happens, by the way. After leaving, we were contacted by a couple that had left a few months before we had. Before visiting them, I remember really clearly going to my bookshelf and taking a book off the shelf that was a study on Galatians. Now I know the Lord was trying to warn me. See, Galatians? Remember what I said? If they would just read and apply the book of Galatians, it would really be the only book they would need to come out of this Hebrew roots garbage and a lot of other garbage, too. I know the Lord was trying to warn me, but sadly I put the book back without taking a look at it. Well, we began to meet with this couple, and we shared our frustrations about the lawlessness, etc., that we, uh, that we had when we left. At the time, I did not know anything about the latter rain and how it was connected with the apostolic prophetic movement, um, as it would have explained so much. They gave us a book by Lou White called Fossilized Customs. The book has some facts, but much twisted truth. We took the bait, though. The whole book is about, and this is why I'm really super cautious. You know, do you hardly ever hear me recommending this author or that author Christian books to read? Rarely, rarely do you ever hear me do that because there's so much leaven and bad doctrine out there. I don't want to point you to that. I want to point you to the Word of God. Okay, and let the Holy Spirit be the one that shows you. 
not some man or woman writing a book. And I'm not saying they're all bad, but I'm cautious about that. And my time's so limited, I, I don't have time to get into that stuff. Anyway, this book, Fossilized Custom by Lou White, was full of twisted truth. We took the bait low, though. The whole book is about how the name of Jesus is supposedly pagan, along with a lot of other extreme ideas, thus the sacred name movement. These people believe that you can only use the name Yahweh when referring to God, the Father, and Yeshua, or some use Yashu, Yahusha, um, for Jesus. Um, all else is pagan and, and of Satan. They and they have deceived all Christians into using the name, or they're the Christians they deceive, into using the name Jesus. Oh, no, and that Satan has deceived all Christians into using the name Jesus, and that Jesus actually means Zeus, and that this has been revealed to only the remnant. Notice this Gnostic elitism, which is common thread through all cults. Which is funny, because they pride themselves on staying away from anything remotely Greek. Well, this began a four-year journey with these people. We backed off a bit on the sacred name, but only began studying many Jewish writings. You must understand that this was very gradual, and the leader of this group was very skilled at studying things and presenting this to us. In other words, they were subtle. They can be very subtle and very sincere, but sincerity isn't, isn't, a, isn't a prerequisite for holiness. I mean, yeah, it, is, it should be, but there's that expression, the road to hell is paved with good intentions, well, I'm a good person. I did this and I did that. Who cares? I mean, all of righteousness are is filthy rags apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. So any, your best day is a filthy rag in God's sight apart from the Lord Jesus Christ doing it through the power of the Holy Spirit. There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. He who trusteth in his own heart is a fool. The Bible says in Proverbs 28, 26. And um, you could go on and on and on. So let's go further here. Um, sadly to say we drifted more and more from the New Testament this was the fruit and the New Covenant and the cross of Christ that is the danger of the Hebrew Roots movement hopefully I've already made that clear this dear woman is confirming that to us this is somebody that was really in it way further than I ever was what was the fruit? drifting from the New Testament the New Covenant and the cross of Christ all the things that hinge upon our salvation that's the very thing it takes you away from. So, what is the movement? Is it, is it of Satan, or is it of God? I think the answer is very obvious there. That is the danger of the Hebrew Roots movement. You want so desperately to return to the Word of God, but in the end, it takes you away from it in its entirety. The leader began planting seeds, such as the New Testament was not totally flawless. Since it had been written in Greek, there were many different texts, and some may not be accurate. He began to pick and choose, and before we ended up leaving, we had pretty much thrown out Galatians. I, I, I told you, that's what they got to throw out first. Got to throw out Galatians. Really, Romans and Hebrews, too. But anyway... They had pretty much thrown out Galatians and John, I would imagine Paul too, because it did not reconcile to his theology. Hmm. Wow. Remember, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Jeremiah 17, 9. Then he goes on, she goes on to say, he taught that the virgin birth was just a doctored up Catholic version of the word. Whoa, now we're questioning the virgin birth. See, one deception leads to more deception leads to more deception. 
Satan's never going to have you content just to stay in one level of deception. He taught that Jesus was Joseph and Mary's natural-born son, even though he could not prove this scripturally. What does that mean? If he's teaching that it's Joseph and Mary's, that means that God the Father did not overshadow Mary, and she didn't conceive through that overshadowing. That means that Jesus Christ was just a normal person, is what this guy was teaching. Does that sound like he's bringing them closer to Jesus Christ in the Word, or away? This is just one testimony. One. There's thousands more just like this. Guaranteed. Um, so, by doing so, he was trying to prove, uh, he brought into question the accuracy of the translations. You were probably saying, how could you stay? I'm not going to judge this woman. No way. You could look at me during some of the crazy things I was doing back in the old Pentecostal days and say, man, dude, you're nuts. I mean, I was pretty nutty. I admit it. Um, anyway, you're probably saying, how could you stay? All I can say is that the deception does not happen overnight. It is gradual. We became emotionally tied to these people and looked to them as a mother and father. I think that's why may, many stay in abusive churches. Well, it's also, as I said, it's a spiritual bondage. Of whom a man is overcome, the same he is brought into bondage. Is this bondage literal chains? No, it's spiritual. You don't see it happening. We participated in the feasts of the Bible, and of course we observed the Sabbath, religiously, every Saturday. What got me is that instead of us resting, we had to go back to the leader's home early that morning to hear hours of his twisted teachings. He began to teach that we became righteous through the law, and that was why Yeshua came to show us how to keep the law. Mm, right. He actually began to teach that we needed to keep as much of the law of Moses that we could, and that it was lawless not to do so. In essence, you basically had to convert to Judaism, even though we literally did not. And also, what's implied here? It's implied that heaven and hell hang in the balance. You better do this. You better do this, all the stuff, the Judaism, the law, or you're going to go to hell. I mean, that's what's implied and inferred here. Because what if you don't do it? Well, as I've said before regarding the Sabbath, boy, you're keeping the Sabbath, you better be doing it the way God says you do it. You better not be working. You better not be... I mean, they were, they were ready to uh, basically stone that person for picking up sticks on the Sabbath. Uh, hope you're not... Hope you have all your food prepared and all this. I mean, you know, you could go on and on and on about the real biblical requirements for truly keeping the Sabbath. Where does it end? I've done several teachings on that. You can keep searching the search box on my homepage. Going further, we started to get a clue about one year before we actually cut all ties and we started to question him about some of the laws in the Old Covenant and how we were uncomfortable with some that talked about slavery, for instance. Of course, he came up with some justification about it. Of course, that's what they always do. Around this time, we began making references to having more... He began making references to having more than one wife. Oh, man, this guy's really wanting to, to go uh, forward here. Um, he said, my husband and I were really uncomfortable with these contentious comments, and so one day we confronted him. His wife was not present, and by the way, it was obvious this journey was taking its toll on her as well by this time. I mean, can you imagine being married to this guy? Anyway, he told us that he was one of those that could love more than one woman. <laughs> Whereas Jesus Christ said we're supposed to leave our father and mother and cleave to our wife. He's got the actual, 
he's got the special pass from God, evidently, that he can love more than one woman. Oh, what pride and arrogance. Then he goes on to say, well, in the Talmud, they teach it's okay for rabbis to molest little girls and little boys. They do. It's in there. I've quoted the verses before. Reference my teachings up. You know, you talk about something blasphemous and evil? Go to the Babylonian Talmud. Well, I can't. It's like, it's like, you know, three feet thick. So what? The verses are in there. Those rabbis have license to do all manner of evil. It's so sickening. And again, I've quoted the verses, so I'm not making this stuff up. Then he goes on to say he could love more than one woman. Uh, there is a double standard because it is unthinkable for a woman to have more than one husband in their eyes. So the woman can't do that, but the man can. You know, hey, he's a man. He's got needs, I guess. Then it goes on to say, we told him, what about the words of Jesus? In the beginning, God made male and female. But it was obvious to us, uh, but it was not to him. If it wasn't in the Torah, then it didn't count. That's what she said, use the word Torah. Okay, now, I have read you quotes too from rabbis that say the modern day Torah is the Talmud. Now, I'm not saying all Hebrew roots adherents believe that, or their supposed rabbis or leaders believe that, but the highest level rabbis do. And if you look at them, if the truth be known, most of them are also involved in the Kabbalah, the ones at the highest levels. So, going further, it says, well, that was it. I cried all weekend and we just began to think about everything in the path that had been on and how far we had strayed from the gospel, and it was heartbreaking. And again, that's why I'm doing this study today. It is heartbreaking. It's terrible. Then he goes on to say, I take full responsibility for myself, allowing to be deceived, but I must say, the man really messed with my mind. Hey, God bless this woman. God bless her in the name of Jesus Christ. And I pray to God these people that are bound up in this false religion, every one of them be liberated through the Lord Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit and His angelic host, and through the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. I mean, I, man, I, I hold no ill. I, I don't look down on her one bit, man. God bless her. She had, you know what it came down to? She had to humble herself. That She had to humble herself finally and admit, you know what, I did it wrong. But see, here's what happens with a lot of people. They get into something, they get invested into a theology, and they've got so much pride that they cannot humble themselves, which would ultimately end up setting them free. Now, I understand the Lord Jesus Christ sets you free. Okay, Whom the Son sets free, you are free indeed. This is what the Bible says. But, ultimately, you've got to humble yourself. You've got to humble yourself to get saved, don't you? If you think about it, Jesus Christ said, unless you come to me as a little child, you'll not see the kingdom of God. You humble yourself. It's one of the only things I think you can do that God really, that pleases Him. Humbling yourself. What can you give God? What could you do to, to possibly impress God, who's perfect and holy and righteous? Not, I, you know, but humility, you come to him as a little child, you get on your knees, oh God, I'm so sorry, I was so deceived, I'm so, you know. God can work with somebody like that. He gives, he gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. Who does he give grace to? Well, you're saved by grace, through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Ephesians 2, 8, 9. I, I'm telling you, humility fear of God's where it's at. Uh, or at least in part. It, it's very, very important. So, 
Anyway, she says, I take full responsibility for my allowing myself to be seen. I must say the man really messed with my mind. He is very, he was skilled in twisting scripture. And to this day, I still struggle with something. Understand, the spirits that emanate and operate, it's just not about the man or the woman who's deceiving you. It's about the spirits that are operating through them, deceiving you. I don't, in and of himself, he probably has no power to do that, but the spirits do. And if you open the door to those spirits, you will, you can be deceived. The Bible says if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect regarding the end times. These false Christs, and they're really on the horizon, they're, they're here. It's only going to get worse, I, I hate to say it, but um, the Bible says they, overclaim, they overcame him, the Antichrist, by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, and they loved their lives not under the death. So that's how we overcome or in part at least. Uh, let's go further. Uh, he was skilled in twisting scripture, and to this day I still struggle with some things. I almost lost my faith in God because my involvement with these people, my husband came through a little easier than myself. I have to say there are many sects within the Hebrew Roots movement, and not all believe that I have what I have shared, but the core belief is that the church has strayed from its Hebrew Roots and that God is restoring this revelation uh, the same theme of the latter day, latter rain movement, but only to a select few, and the rest of the church is pagan and basically going to hell. Because of this belief, you begin to cut yourself off from the body of Christ because you think you're yoking yourself up with unbelievers, as 2 Corinthians 6.14 says we're not to do. Okay, You cut yourself off from the body of Christ, and before you know it, you're isolated. You are no longer the salt of the world. You do not witness or share the gospel anymore because you don't believe the gospel anymore. See how it makes you ineffective for, the, for Christ? And in conclusion, she says, the very thing that you think is bringing you closer to God, returning the word, um, takes you further away because it is a twisted perception of the word of God. You're getting a twisted perception. My heart goes out to anyone caught up in this deception because it leaves you so confused. And again, God is not the author of confusion. I praise God that he's opened our eyes to this and for his grace and mercy and for the blood of Jesus Christ, our true Redeemer. Amen and amen. So let's go ahead and close this out in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day and time you've given us. I thank you that uh, I was finally able to get to this teaching, Lord. I pray, Lord God, for any and all people that are caught up in this deception. Uh, I just pray, Lord God, you would dispatch your angels to these people, that you would open their eyes that they can see, give them hearts to receive and ears to hear, and that every demonic or evil entity that would try to hinder this process, that they would be bound up and rebuked and cast into the abyss, and that none would be able to come to take their place, Lord. I pray for your intervention in these people's lives. You would liberate them, and those that are not saved, I pray to God that they would be saved by the power of the Holy Spirit, your angelic host, through, through the Lord Jesus Christ and his shed blood, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and I pray you'd forgive us collectively, Lord God, and individually for any and all sins we've committed in any way, shape, or form, that you would wipe our slate clean, that the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart would be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, O oh Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Uh, I just pray, Lord God, for praise you and thank you for all your goodness and your mercy. And I just pray that you clearly guide us in the days to come. You clearly keep us from false teachers, false prophets, false religions. And I just pray you bless my listeners. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.